Nashville anthems dissecting 80s and 90s country music. Whether it's 5 o'clock for you and that rooster's crowing, or it's 6 o'clock on Friday evening, I thank you for listening. And a big thank you to the San Angelo Boys for providing the theme music for this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to get to the bottom of what makes 80s and 90s country music work through close examination of the songs played on Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station. Today, Satellite Radio has pointed our pickup truck toward Garth Brooks for the second time as we sneak out of the house to explore his 1993 hit, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. So first, let's give credit as credit is due. Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up was written by Garth Brooks, Kent Blasey, and Kim Williams and released on Brooks' 1993 album, In Pieces. That's the one with the checkerboard pattern on the cover. You know what I'm talking about, right? Both Blazy and Williams were already established writers for Brooks. Uh, some highlights of their work, Blazy had co-written If Tomorrow Never Comes and Somewhere Other Than the Night, co-wrote both of those with Garth Brooks, and Kim Williams co-wrote with Brooks uh, Papa Love Mama. And while Rodeo is an exception, this is the standard Garth Brooks formula. Most of the Garth Brooks songs you know and love were written by Brooks himself, along with a member of a stable of professional songwriters that he worked with a lot. And the late Kim Williams especially has an impressive country songwriting catalog overall that you can check out, and that's worth looking into if you're interested in digging a little deeper. Ain't Going Down to the Sun Comes Up pulled a Grover Cleveland by spending two non-consecutive weeks at number one in September and October of 1993 with Tracy Bird sneaking one in, Benjamin Harrison style, in between those two terms. Finally, the song was produced by longtime Garth Brooks producer Alan Reynolds. Let's look at some key features that comprise this song. First key feature I want to get to is one we have tackled before, and that feature is the blues. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, because we spent a lot of time on the idea of the blues in the rodeo episode. By the way, if you're kind of new to this music, no, every Garth Brooks song is not blues-heavy, at least I don't think so, but the two we've covered so far sure have been. In the rodeo episode, we talked a lot about the idea of blue notes and how pitch bends and in-between pitches fit into that concept. So I'm going to resist the temptation to go deeper into that again here, although it was a lot of fun to go deep into that first time, because boy, is this song full of blue notes, pitch bends, and in-between pitches. I can't resist a little bit of a refresher on the music theory here. Ain't Going Down to the Sun Comes Up is in the key of G major. So the blue notes in G major are B-flat, which is the minor third, and F, which is the minor seventh. Now this is a G major chord, and these are the blue notes. Sound familiar from that rodeo episode? Different key, but same idea. Now, where you hear these blue notes and ain't going down to the sun comes up, it mainly comes from three sources. Those are Garth Brooks' vocals, the lead guitar, and the harmonica. Although if you listen closely, you can hear an electric piano doing some of it also, and it sounds very much like rodeo in those places, actually. It's just that the electric piano isn't nearly as prominent on this song as it was in rodeo. Let's take a look at each one of these. So Brooks pounds that minor third note in the verses of this song. The verses sound kind of monotone, you know what I mean? It's mostly Brooks singing these percussive eighth notes, one after the other, and it's all the same note, or nearly all the same note. And that same note is that blue note, the bluest of notes, that B flat, which is the minor third, or or, or something close to it. That note, as you remember from the rodeo episode, that note can never really be straightforwardly labeled major or minor. That's kind of what part of what makes the blues the blues. Six o'clock on Friday evening, Mama doesn't know she's leaving till she hears the screamer slamming, rubber squealing, gears a jam. Anyway, that pounding on that minor third and that blue note give his vocals right out of the gate a raw, attitude-filled flavor that never lets up in this song. I have to say, Brooks flexes his muscle in a few places, too. Shows off his control and range, especially as he slides up with that yeah at the very end of the vocal section. 
He slides up from, I think he's singing another blue note, that F, that minor 7th, and slides all the way up the octave to the tonic note, a high G. He sings several high Gs in the song, actually, which is up there for a male voice. If you're a guy listening to this, go ahead and give it a try. Go ahead and try singing that G uh, without going into falsetto. We talked about how that note and actually the A above it as well are generally a real stretch for a male voice in the I'm Gonna Be Somebody episode. But Garth Brooks here, not only does he hit those high Gs, but kind of like Travis Tripp before him, he belts them out and Brooks sustains them over several bars without speaking a breath in. Scott's got some major chops, folks. But back to the blues, the electric guitar, we won't dwell on this, but in those long instrumental sections where the guitar and harmonica kind of go back and forth doing that solo battle, the electric guitar is playing plenty of blue nose. Plenty of Fs and plenty of B flats over those classic three chords, G, C, and D. And finally, we have to talk about the star of the show on this song, and that's the late Terry McMillan's harmonica. By the way, credit to CMT.com for confirming the name of the harmonica player for me. Harmonica is kind of a stereotypical blues instrument. You know, you think about someone playing harmonica on like a lonely front porch or something. It's showcased in a major way on this bluesy song, although there is nothing sad and nothing lonely about how the harmonica sounds on this song, but more on that the particular energy that it does bring in a moment. For now, let's just point out how full of blue notes and pitch bends the harmonica is. The next time you hear this song, listen to Terry McMillan's harmonica playing. It is a treat, and it's amazing the bluesy personality he is able to get out of this instrument. You know, in addition to those individual sources of blue notes, the vocals and a couple of the instruments, we should point out some of the licks that keep showing up in this song, because you might expect they are full of blue notes also. Here are a few of them. This is a simple pattern of three eighth note Fs leading into the tonic, the G. This one shows up, especially on the lead and bass guitars. It seems like almost every time the song goes back to the tonic, it's a little blues pattern that sets up the tonic chord over and over in this song. Here's another one. This is a quick little 1-1 minor third pattern to get back into the four chord in the middle of the chorus that go around the world in a pickup truck line. Here's another. This pops up toward the end of the chorus each time. It's a little extra couple of instrumental beats in the bar before the song title gets bluesily sung by Brooks. And that's this. It walks down as minor 7th, 6th, 5th, minor 3rd, tonic. It's like the lick was doing this tight little descent around the minor 7th, then remembered it was running out of time and shot down to the minor 3rd in order to resolve down on the tonic. And then, finally, this one shows up as a lead-in to one of the choruses. It was a little harder to pick out, but it's something like one minor seventh, and I think a flat fifth or sharp fourth, same thing, which is the chromatic note in the blues scale that we talked about a lot in the Devil Went Down to Georgia episode. At least that's what I think it is. It may just be a fifth or something in between. It's hard to tell. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Welcome to the blues. Anyway, that's followed by a very blue note, the minor third, and then down to the one again. 
So all these patterns are more or less syncopated, especially that last one is really heavily syncopated. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But for now, let's just note that these licks that permeate the song are very bluesy in terms of their tonality. But we can't get off the concept of the blues just yet. Because this song is not only full of blue notes, this song, unlike Rodeo, is also in blues form. At least the first two verses are. And all of the long instrumental parts are also in blues form. Now, when I say blues form, I'm really talking about is 12-bar blues. Even if you aren't familiar with the concept, I bet you've heard that term, 12-bar blues. 12-bar blues just refers to a fairly defined chord progression that lasts, you guessed it, 12 bars. And it goes like this. It's four bars of the one chord, two bars of the four chord, two bars of the one chord, a bar of the five chord, then it can vary a bit here. You may do another bar of the five chord. Maybe shift down to the four chord for a bar. But always back to the one chord for two more bars. If you did the math, that's 12 bars. You can think of it in three groups of four. Here, I'll, I'll play kind of a typical walking bass line you would hear in a blues song. Not, it ain't going down to the sun comes up. It definitely does not have a walking bass line, but more on that to come. To illustrate the 12 bar blues, though, I will play uh, what you might hear in a walking bass line for those 12 bars and really those three groups of four bars. So it would sound like this. One. 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 That's the first group of four bars. Four. Four. One. One. That's the middle group of four. Five. Five. One. One. And that's the last group. So notice that it is three chords, the one chord, the four chord, the five chord, and that is a defying characteristic of the blues form, something we're seeing often in these songs as well. By the way, this episode's theme music is also in 12-bar blues. It's in 12-bar blues in the key of A. So anyway, the fact that this song makes such heavy use of blue notes and blues form is interesting because this is by no means a blues song, and that's because... The thing it definitely does not employ is blues energy. This song is not slow, soulful, gut-wrenching, pour-your-heart-out kind of music. This song has a super high-energy groove, and that's the next key feature I'd like to get to. You know, I definitely remember when this song came out, do you? It was the first single off his new album, and at that time, a new Garth Brooks album was a really big deal. The song was kind of unignorable, too, because it was fast, it was loud, and it was extremely energetic, especially in the context of the country music scene it was in. It was kind of a head-turner of a song. You know, Friends in Low Places was raucous, Rodeo was groovy, but this song was in another gear, and it made waves. And we talked in the God Bless Texas episode about how big of a deal Achy Breaky Heart was when it came out because it was in a more rock and roll dance style than the rest of the country was at the time. I'm not going to say I remember Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up making quite as big a splash as Achy Breaky Heart, but it did seem to take that groovy, dancey, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lewis, Little Richard rock and roll style and idea to the next level in country music. So where does that frantic energy in this song come from? I would say it's mainly in the -the over-the-top driving groove that relentlessly carries the song along. And this isn't even a side one, track one. It is relentless, as I said. I mean, the last verse kind of takes it down from fifth gear to fourth for a few bars. That verse even short-circuits the 12-bar blues form we just talked about and just bursts out the unexpected five chord, even as the daughter in the song bursts out of the house unexpectedly and right back into her boyfriend's truck. So this song just keeps the gas pedal in that truck all the way down to the floor, and it's kind of an all-aboard, 
or you're going to get left kind of feel. The groove in the song is constructed of a steady, forward-leaning drum part, very much like we talked about in Seminole Wind, although at a much faster tempo in this song. It's also a steady, non-walking bass part comprised of many, many, many fast eighth notes. The bass just keeps pounding those eighth notes. The bass almost suggests a car engine or wheels. It's about motion. It's about a steady, very fast pace that just won't let up. This fast groove is built off of a cut time beat. Now, my fellow band nerds out there will know what I'm talking about there. Essentially, it's when standard 4-4 is so fast that those four fast beats are more easily felt as two beats that are at half the tempo. But the backbeat on the snare relentlessly hits on 2 and 4, or the upbeat of 1 and 2, if you're feeling it in 2, such that the groove feels kind of in between a fast 4 and a slow 2. That's really what cut time is. This cut time feel with the backbeat on the fast 2 and 4 is a major part of what comprises a train beat on this song. The Devil Went Down to Georgia had this, and that steady and relentless trip down the track is what this groove is about. Although it's a very fast train. Another thing that gives the song the frantic energy that it has is the use of syncopation. Now, we alluded to this earlier, but those blues-infused licks that we highlighted already are syncopated. Listen to them again, and this time pay attention to the rhythm more than the notes. Here's that common lead-in to the tonic that we talked about. It goes F and one To let the numbers confuse you, by the way, I was talking about chords earlier, but this time it's beats. So each bar has four beats, so it's one, two, three, four. So this particular pattern is not heavily syncopated, but it does start on the upbeat of three, and that's the and of three. There's also this one in the middle of the chorus. It's one, two, three, and one. So instead of something more straight, like one, two, three, four, one, the next to last note, the blue note, by the way, comes in early on the upbeat of three rather than on four. So it goes one, two, three, and one. This one at the end of the chorus has that same rhythm, that one, two, three, and one, although this is a descending pattern. And this super syncopated one that shows up a few times, it goes like this. One, two, and four, one, and three. Pretty syncopated, right? Oh, and bonus, the tom hits that the drummer plays when the song title is sung are also syncopated. So you're never more than a few bars away from some prominent syncopation in this song. So that regular syncopation keeps us a little off balance as we listen, especially in a song that's in cut time, because it's hard to feel exactly where the syncopated accents hit when you're feeling the song in a slow two. As forcefully driving as the song is, you feel like you're riding along in the boyfriend's speeding truck, but he's driving pretty radically, right? And you're like grabbing those handles over the doors with white knuckles just to stay upright. That's the frantic energy of Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up, and a lot of that is imparted to it by syncopation in such a fast tempo. There are other things, too, that play a part in this hyper-energetic feel. I mean, obviously, the harmonic playing is all over the scale, and it's obviously a part of this. It's fast, it's furious, it even sounds like Terry McMillan is gasping for breath as he plays, you know what I mean? Because a harmonica is unique like that among wind instruments, if you didn't know this. You can play a harmonica while breathing both in and out. So you can sometimes hear Terry McMillan breathing in as he plays, not just out. So maybe he is gasping for air. I mean, I can imagine how exhausting playing like that must have been. I mean, that's just this song for you, right? It's like, hey, let's have some harmonica on the song. And what they have is harmonica to a level that can only be expressed in scientific notation. Harmonica times 10 to the 23rd or something. It's just astronomical what Terry McMillan brings to the song with this normally humble instrument. 
You know, another thing, it seems like kind of a small detail, but we talked about in the I'm Going to Be Somebody episode how the Fender Telecaster is kind of the axe of choice in country music. But the electric guitar ain't going down until the sun comes up. I'm pretty sure it's a Fender Stratocaster, which is more of a rock and roll instrument. The Telecaster has a natural twang that a Strat doesn't have. The Stratocaster better lends itself to driving grooves like this. It's just more of a rock and roll instrument. In fact, it's kind of the rock and roll instrument. So the use of a Stratocaster to play all these dueling solos versus a Telecaster is a small but important detail that gives the song its rock and roll energy. So, all this driving frantic energy is, as we said earlier, in stark contrast to the mood and tone of traditional blues. It's also several gears beyond typical country music, at least at the time. I think that's why this song just sounds different. It even sounds unique among Brooks' catalog. It sounds like it fell out of space from another planet or something. I mean, what is this music? Because it really is country, right? It manages to sound like a country song while diving headfirst into this blues rock pool that it's swimming in. And why is that? Come on, this is Nashville Anthems. You didn't think I would make a statement like that without exploring the why, did you? Part of it is Garth Brooks' twangy vocals. But I think the bigger part is the final key element that I'd like to get into. And that's the rural setting. Now, we talked about this in the Devil Went Down to Georgia episode, how Charlie Daniels put a lot of explicit rural elements in the song to give the song a definite sense of rural place. Ain't Going Down to the Sun Comes Up does the same thing. Here are some of those elements. We've got a screen door, local country station, a rodeo, a honky-tonk, line dancing, the boondocks, the creek, George Strait, a pickup truck, a crowing rooster, and stalls and horses. So let me tell you, in case you're thinking these aren't rural elements, Melton, these are just country cliches. Well, I grew up in a rural setting, and most of these hit the nail on the head. We had screen doors, a creek people went down to. I drove a pickup truck in high school that played its share of George Strait on the local country station. I actually remember a rooster crowing in the morning sometimes, even though I never lived on a farm. I don't know where exactly that rooster was, honestly. But I do remember that, and there were, across the street... I Actually, I don't know if it was horses or cows. There was a pasture that had animals in it at any rate. And, you know, we, it was a neighborhood. We weren't really, like, way out in the country. So I just, I'm just here to tell you that this stuff is pretty legit. I didn't grow up in the West, as we've talked about before, so we didn't have rodeos. But it's easy to see, and we talked about this in the rodeo episode, it's easy to see how a rodeo might be part of your kind of teenage life if you lived in, say, Oklahoma, where Garth Brooks grew up. So, it's not like this song took place in a big city, right? This song is rural. The boyfriend isn't speeding down a four-lane freeway between high-rise office buildings or a city street. He's going down two-lane roads, right? Country roads. Maybe even some dirt roads, although they don't say that. And so I want to say this. So, imagine if this song weren't a country song. Because this song could have been set in a city, right? Can you kind of hear it? The girl, instead of sneaking out of her home on this kind of horse farm, going out the screen door and being yelled out from the front porch, she could have sneaked out of her apartment and met the boy in a taxi cab or something. And it would have been a perfectly legitimate song with a different setting like that. But at that point, what would have made this a country song? So somewhere in there is a hint of what makes this larger era and genre of 80s and 90s country music And that's that there's a rural authenticity in this music that hits some sort of a sweet spot that I'm dying to get to the bottom of, but haven't quite gotten there yet, but I feel like we're getting closer. Let's review. So we talked about how Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up makes heavy use of the blues. 
though in terms of its energy, its tone, its feel, it really doesn't sound like the blues at all. And instead, this has a fast-paced, like 50s rock and roll style. And a lot of that comes from the driving drum and driving bass and the fact that the song is fast enough that it starts to have a cut time type of feel and that then makes the syncopations all the more off-balance feeling. Finally, we talked about the fact that the song has a definite rural setting, similar to how we saw that in The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And it makes sure we know it's rural by giving us a whole list of explicitly rural elements. And, you know, I argue that those elements are legitimate. They give the song an authentic sense of place and sense of setting that I think is at the heart of a lot of what makes this music work. So let's park the truck for now and close the book on Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. Let's now look at what we're going to explore in our next episode. I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country music station right now and see what's playing. Ah, we have Diamond Rio. That's what I get for loving you. I love me some Diamond Rio. I look forward to getting to this song with you in a couple of weeks. Until then, please uh, email me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com. You can also follow Nashville Anthems on both Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. I gotta go or I'm gonna miss curfew.